0: Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. We'll take on a new horse training or horse care topic in every episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy the ride. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening to today's podcast. I'm Julie Goodnight, and today my topic's about reconditioning a horse after a long layoff. This is the horse that's been out of work and maybe hasn't even been handled for a few weeks or a few months or even a few years. We want to talk about how to bring that horse safely and productively back into a working environment. And uh, by the way, you're listening today totally for free. Thanks to my good friends at Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. Hey, Des, I got to tell you, I just love um, the cell phone pocket on the smooth stride riding jeans. And that's actually something I know you added to the uh, jeans because the original jeans didn't have that. But, you know, I'm working all the time. I just managed to fit my rides in between making conference calls and and checking emails and all that. So I just love having my phone with me when I'm riding. And it's such a... Mm -hmm. um, well-designed spot for the cell phone pocket because mounting dismounting riding no matter what you do that cell phone you never know it's there until you go to get it out so um i just wanted you to know how much i love that
1: Well, thank you. You know, back when I was up in Washington State teaching um, and riding alone, um, and my husband traveled a lot, you know, I had young horses and I'm out there jumping, had my helmet on, but I needed my phone On me, that was. It was I. I, You know, I until I had those, I'd I'd give a lesson. I'd leave my phone and one of my chairs on my viewing station, and I'd walk the lesson up into the road. And three hours later, where's my phone? So, it was. By the time I knew Eric and I knew that we were going to be pursuing the gene company thing. I knew exactly where the cell phone pocket was, and I have a kind of a fun story about that if you want to hear about how it it kind of got started. So remember I told you I was at Ranch and Home looking for jeans, so we went back to Ranch and Home to talk to the owner to talk about possibly uh, carrying the jeans in his store, and he had also been to Wisa and so we were picking his brain, and so we had a meeting, and he stood up, you know, after I told him that I was going to put a cell phone pocket, he stood up and he turned around and he said, well, I have a work pant that has a cell phone pocket in it. And he showed it, it was an old fashioned, kind of like a painter's pants. but uh-huh. it was off the back of the right side. And he said, I don't know what I would do without these work pants. He said, I'll tell you a funny story. I take my wife out to dinner and I don't wear my work pants. I wear nicer jeans that don't have a <coughs> cell phone pocket. And he looked at me and he said, I am lost. He said, "Cause I don't know what to do with my cell phone." <laughs> so I he needs a purse. Of <laughs> well, so I took, I looked at it, and so what I decided to do, or Eric and I decided to do, is just take that welt pocket that's on the back side of the man uh, work pants and just flip it.
0: Oh, right, because it is it it is welted like that, and that's one of the things that makes it great is you can slip your phone in and out so easily. But once it's in there, it's almost as if it disappears.
1: Um, right, and Eric designed the shell. He designed little shelves on either side, and this is where he his brain comes in because he's a he's got a designer type brain, and it has little shelves on either side that because uh, he was worried that the phone might come out, and he also wanted to uh, make it big enough to fit a, a bigger phone once it's in the pocket, but the phone doesn't even want to come out, and the whole thing it's just it, it's just it's you're right, it's absolutely. Perfect. Perfect placement, perfect size, you could even jog in them, and the phone doesn't flap, and you don't even know you have it on you, you know? Yes, so, and for and
0: really, um, at the end of the day, for safety reasons, it, especially when you're riding trails and stuff, it's, it's really great. That We have the technology these days, and so you should have your phone with you. And the phone should be on your body, not on the horse, because you can get separated from the horse.
1: Yeah. Well, and that r- r- reminds me of another situation. I was at a clinic, and I had my a couple students that were riding, and so I was on the ground. I was not mounted, and it was a blustery, windy day up in Washington, and um, one of the riders got a little sideways and fell off, and she wasn't moving, and so oh I my. had my phone right in my pocket. And I don't think the instructor had a phone. None of the riders had a phone. It was a very small auditor field because it was such an ugly day. And I immediately called the organizer because I couldn't remember her exact address, told her to call 911. And... She uh, and a nurse, there was one of the riders that was riding in the clinic, was a nurse. Next thing I know, a couple minutes, couldn't have been more than a minute and a half later, she and the nurse were um, headed towards us on the ATV. So that rider, because of the fact that I had my phone ever so handy, um, got medical attention right away. And um, I, was, I was really uh, happy, and everybody was kind of impressed with the, the, the jeans because they saw the cell phone pocket and, you know, after all the, and, the and they, was all right. But, um, it was, I, I was really glad that I had my phone yeah and you were
0: able connected. to, uh, just whip it right out, make the call, get emergency help. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, yeah. as we've all heard a million times, it's the, the faster in a trauma, particularly a head injury, the faster, you get medical treatment the better the outcome so so good job i love the cell phone pocket on the smooth stride riding jean and uh thank you for putting that design in there
1: you are welcome
0: well des it's been great talking to you and i just i want to thank you one more time for creating the best riding jeans on earth and why don't you tell everybody where they can find out more about smooth stride riding jeans
1: Alrighty, we have a wonderful website, and you can go to smoothstride. com. Um, we have a stride Facebook page. Um, I have an email address for the jeans only. It's dj at smoothstride. And um, yeah, I'm so glad that you like them, and I am here and ready and willing and loving to help anybody who might want to come and check out the jeans if somebody wants to give you a call where can they reach you 509-521-5496 all right julie we'll talk to you next month
0: thanks des it was great talking to you today and i look forward to chatting again next month Uh, right now i want to talk about the main topic for today, working with a horse that's been off for an extended period of time and how to get him back in shape, both mentally and physically, and how to get prepared for the upcoming riding season. like to think back, you know, on my experience with horses, which has been uh, with a considerable number of horses and over a long period of time. And um, frequently back in the days when I was just training Um, You know, training like a regular horse trainer on a daily basis, taking horses in training by the month and having anywhere from, you know, five to 10 to 12 horses to train that month. And um, a lot of times it would be horses coming back into training after a long layoff and the owner was just going to pay a trainer to get that horse sorted out for them. Um, And then a lot of my experience has been just from dealing with people at clinics, believe it or not. Most of the clinics that I do people show up with horses sometimes that they haven't even gotten on in a year or more. And they're somehow expecting that clinic experience to, um, you know, be the magic bullet. And uh, ironically, often it is because if it's a trained horse, you know, I can generally get that horse sorted out pretty fast. But the clinic's not the best place to do that. The whole idea of today's topic is talking about how we get ready for that clinics or how we get ready for the riding season. And so you know it really doesn't matter what it is you're planning to do whether it's going to a mounted shooting or going to a couple of horsemanship clinics or going on a big trail ride with your friends or just riding every day long and hard doing what you like to do or showing horses Um, so for lots of us um, in the winter we've put our horses away and they have not been handled much Um, so there's any kind of reasons coming back from a long layoff or an injury is is a Another reason why a horse might be in this situation. Um, another thing I've seen a lot is when people buy a horse. It could be a super nice, um, a super nice, well-trained horse. It reminds me of a friend of mine who's picking her horse up today. Um, and this horse, I don't, I don't know, I, but I think probably this horse has been a good horse for the family on the ranch it was on, and they've had this horse for a while, but the horse has fallen out of use because whoever rode this horse is no longer riding it. And sometimes these horses have gone two or three years without really doing anything, and now we've got to bring that horse back into training, and we have to get his mind back in the game. We have to get his body very carefully back in the game, especially if... That horse has some age on him or is coming back from an injury. So, um... Those are kind of all all the reasons why we might be in this predicament with horse. Um, But also, I think of um, a few horses I've worked at through the last 11 years of producing my TV show called Horse Master. Um, We've had a couple of different horses that have been coming back into full training after a long layoff. And um, so... Anyway, there it could be any number of reasons and you could be bringing that horse back into any type of training, whether it's riding or driving or even working uh, a working horse, is taking trail rides for or a lesson horse that you want to work into your summer camp program. So there's any any number of reasons. So first thing uh, always to me, the first thing we're going to do with this horse is literally the first thing. The very first moment that you first start handling this horse, you need to start immediately assessing where he's at mentally. So mentally is, and the very first engagement you have with this horse, um, what I'm trying to do is uh, figure out where this horse is mentally. If he's been turned out with a group of horses or been, uh, um, you know, Uh, hopefully not by himself, but just has only been hanging out with horses. And now all of a sudden you walk into that pen to pull him out of there. He's going to want nothing to do with you. If that horse has been turned out in a herd, in a more natural setting where he's, uh, let's say in a pen with, you know, a dozen other geldings and they're free fed all winter long. And none of these horses have really done anywhere or gone anything anywhere for 30 60 days um that horse might likely be very herd bound and so he might want absolutely nothing to do with leaving with you um so if that's where the training begins that's where the training begins and in my experience The reaction you're going to get from that horse when you first engage him, when you first go in that pen or stall or whatever to get him out to to begin the, the first day of this reconditioning program... Um, if he is uh, so herd bound that he cannot focus on you or look at you or, or or even, you know, is nervous and fretting, that's where the training begins. In my experience, if you're, this has nothing to do with the horse's previous training, it, it has more to do with the age of that horse and the condition in which he was laid off. In other words, if he were being kept in a stall by himself, he'd probably be thrilled to see you and go somewhere with you and do something with you. He'd be so bored out of his mind. But he, if he was with a herd of horses acting like a bunch of wild herd of Mustangs, um It's going to take him considerably more time to get his mind back in the game. To me, that is not as relevant to his training experience as it is to his stage of life. I find when geldings or uh, or mares are in the middle age of life, like 15, just plus or minus 15 years of age, that's when they really start getting dependent on the herd for the safety and comfort that they get from the herd. So ironically, younger horses, um, even if they might have less training, you might not have as big a herd-bound problem with them as that that middle-aged or older horse. And so, um, so my first concern is their, their mental focus. And if it's on the herd and not on me, I've got to immediately rectify that because I don't want to be messing with a thousand pound horse that has no regard for me or my personal safety whatsoever because um, he's so freaked out about leaving the herd. Um my second concern mentally with that horse is if he just has a lot of xx at- Excess energy, so his uh, mind is very busy, and is you know he can't hold still, and um, that all of that is leading to a lack of focus, and um, also he's not uh, that interested in standing and listening and thinking. He's he he wants to be running, so you can't really get inside that horse's head. Um, so, uh, and then finally, uh, I, I uh, in the mental, um, assessment of this horse, um, I, I am immediately trying to understand how much authority I have over him. If I ask him to lead, does he lead with me? Does he have good manners? Is he watching me and listening to me and receptive of cues from me? Um, Does he have any sense of trying to please me? You know, is he looking at me like, what do you want me to do, boss? Um, which case there's going to be some petting and some, some sweet talk from me. Um, or is he like totally disregarding me, looking the other way, walking on top of me, shouldering into me, telling me with every part of his body, you mean nothing to me. And I want nothing to do with you. Um, those are two totally different paths. I'm going to take in the in the um, work progression with this particular horse so those are all the issues having to do with my mental assessment and the of the horse and and where he's at um, because that dictates what i'm going to do with him next because if i don't have authority over that horse if his if he had if he does not have the ability to focus and listen and think and do something for me, um, I can't really go any farther with this training. Right. Okay. So the next part of, um, my concerns about reconditioning this horse after a long layoff is, is the physical side of it. And this, You know, uh, again, this this is very complicated and there is no magic bullet because every single situation is going to be different. Are we talking about a seven year old horse that had, you know, 90 days layoff after an intensive training program of four years? Or are we talking about a 15 year old horse that hasn't uh, been ridden in a year and has been turned out with a bunch of, you know, horses on 500 acres and hasn't even been touched. Um, are we talking about a horse coming back from an injury? Um, so there's no real. I, I can't drill down too much on the specifics here. So I'm going to just talk in generalities. And so the first thing is also going to be an assessment of this horse of his physical condition. And um, it's not my job to do an ala- a lameness evaluation. Although I would certainly notice any lameness. I would. Immediately, you know, have a vet assessment there, and so uh, let's let's say we've assumed that this horse has been cleared, and there's no physical injury or um, you know condition or lameness. Um, the The next thing that I'm going to look at is the body condition score of that horse. And uh, by the way, in my um, interactive program, which is an online membership program um, where you sign up for a curriculum of study and uh, you you interact with me on your assignments and how you uh, complete them. And, and um, um, on, on that program, I uh, require people to um, give me the body condition score of their horse. And sometimes they answer back, Oh, I just asked my vet and he said it was fine, so I don't need to answer that question. And I say, no, I want you to know the, the body scoring system of horses that veterinarians use to establish the uh, sort of uh, physical state of that horse's condition. And it's important it, for all of us to know that so we can communicate with each other. So I'm going to communicate with you right now using body score. So um, I, would, I would go online and Google it, um, body condition score in horses, and read it. It's a one to ten score. It's not that complicated. One's a totally emaciated horse, and one and ten is a gr- grotesquely morbidly obese horse. Um, so your, by the way, your super fit racehorse um, looks like he's ready to run the Kentucky Derbys. I think probably going to be in the five six area. I I have to look closer at the chart. But so I want to look at the body score of this horse because. When I go to determine how much physical work this horse can take, I can't—if he's just barely maintaining a a decent body score and he has had no activity in his life, and now I'm going to start working him like a slave driver every day— I have to be building up his physical condition as I'm training him. That is a totally different animal than the, let's say, 7, 8, 9 on the body score who's fat and fatter, who when I look at his spine down the top of his back, I see a dimple there instead of that low body score horse that I would actually be seeing the vertebrae sticking out of his back. How much flesh that has on horse has on his body. Um, is totally relative to his physical condition in terms of coming back to work. If that horse is um, a horse in his prime or younger, and he has a great body score, it, maybe he's a little pudgy and what we call soft, meaning he his his muscles are soft and he's not used to having a saddle on his back or a girth around his cinch. He, you know, he might have to develop some toughness there. Um, so, but, but he's a little on the fat side. I can work that horse pretty hard without worrying about improving his body score. In other words, as I start working that horse and, and increasing his workload over time, um, I'm, he's actually going to end up lowering his body score, which is going to be better for him because he's, he's soft and a little on the obese side, um, So that horse's age is, um, you know, everybody always wants to know, well, how long should I work my horse? And um, in fact, I had a question from a good friend of mine regarding a horse I had sold her, oh gosh, a decade ago. Super, super nice. Um, Quarter horse, gelding, uh, drop dead gorgeous, has been on the TV show. He's up in years now. I want to say he's 16, 17 Years old, and but he, he had a um, a tumor at the throat latch area, and it caused a little bit of um, roaring. It caused a little bit of um, uh, paralysis in the flap that blocks the airway as the horse breathes, and you end up with a horse that roars. And um, there's all kinds of roaring sounds, but it's kind of like it's with that horse that can't. When you canter him, you hear the. <laughs> kind of like that, Um, that's a, a general term for a very broad range of conditions called Roaring. Um, but she wanted to know, you know, how long can I work this horse, um, given that he ha- is having this roaring problem now? And I'm like, I can't tell you that, because I have to be there. I have to see the horse. Um, I have to know, um, you know, what, what's normal for that horse, and are we building that horse up? And um, so everybody always wants to know, well, how much time should I work my horse? Whether it's a yearling, and you're talking about halter braking it or you know an eight-year-old that you're getting ready for a horse show how much time can you work that horse well there's two sides to this sword (laughs) one is the horse's actual physical conditioning um if that horse is in a weak state low body score and you're going to have to build up his body score over the next coming months by feeding him a lot and, and pumping a lot of food to him so that you can work him without putting him in a, a more deteriorated state, um, then that's going to be the different horse than the, the fat as a hog, shall we say. Um, and then the age of the horse, okay. Okay. Um, so the other side of that equation is how long should I work this horse is the, the, the mental or the training issues and the work ethic of that horse. So now we have a horse that's been laid off for X amount of period of time, weeks, months, or years. Um, what was that horse's training before the layoff? Was he... Did he have a high level of training? Did he have a high level of experience? He'd been to horse shows, been to trail rides, maybe lived in a couple of different states, been traveled a lot, uh, been in and out of a trailer a lot. Um, Or was he a nine-year-old green broke horse that was just being ridden occasionally and never had a good, solid professional level of foundational training because the latter horse, if he, if he was, was green and not that great in his training prior to the long layoff, you're basically, you may be starting that horse over because, um, he did not have a solid foundation of training on which to fall back. But if that horse was highly trained and highly experienced and in a steady regimen of work and being handled well and had developed good life skills like good manners and a good work ethic, that horse, I personally would just climb right on and start riding him, and I would strictly pay attention to his aerobic capacity, and I would put him up, uh, I would... Well, I'll talk a little bit about the training plan and, and how we want to, uh, do things specifically, but, but, um, that horse probably is going to be a, if, if he's been laid off for a significant amount of time, if he, at the beginning of that layoff was a well-trained, well-behaved, experienced horse, then he is still that exact same horse. I would have personally no qualms about crawling right up on that horse's back and going back to work with him. I would only pay probably pay attention to his actual physical condition and how quickly did he get out of breath, how um, you know where how well is he remembering the cues? Um, if on the other hand, at the beginning of this horse's long layoff. He was not very well trained to begin with and did not have a lot of experience, meaning he was a mature horse that did not have a high level of training yet. Well that horse as I'm reconditioning reconditioning him and he he's still he's the same horse that he was then so he's no better and probably worse because now he went a long period without having to do anything so a lot of times I make the comparison of it would be like having a um, a 40 year old man who had never had to do his own laundry or pick up after himself Um or cook for himself, it, he just by then he just thinks he doesn't have to, right? And so, um, the work ethic in issue is huge. And is this a mental problem? Is this a physical problem or, or issue? Not problem, but issue. Um, I don't know. It's a kind of all of the above, but from, from, Not only am I thinking of the horse's physical condition and aerobic capacity, but I'm also thinking of making sure that horse has a proper work ethic established. And... Um, so all of that, that's a lot of different stuff, the, that are going to determine your actual training plan for that individual horse. Um, but those are just kind of the, the general concerns I have about, um, the mentality of that horse and the physical, actual condition of that horse, um, and then, you know, the, the authority you have over that horse. Is is he willing to do your bidding? Is he interested in getting your approval? Or, you know, is he giving you the old equine, you mean nothing to me um, thing? So, um, so now we've got this horse after a long layoff, weeks, months, or years, and and I I've been assessing him in terms of his mental state, his physical state, um, and what are my capabilities with this horse? Does he listen to me? Um, is he respectful of me? Does he accept my authority, um, in terms of telling him what to do? Because if I can't tell him what to do, we're done. Right. And, um, so at that point, we're ready to actually figure out a training plan. Now I'll tell you something about me. If you don't know it already. You might have to know me a little better than some, but I'm a numbers person. To me, I got to put numbers on everything, whether that's seconds in the minute or minutes in in the day or the time of day or dollar figures. Um, My mind goes to numbers. And so when i first start thinking of a training plan, um, I first go to the numbers. And um, it takes time to affect change with horses. Um, You know, I have to say mentally, I can affect change with a horse mentally almost instantly on some occasions. But... um, but certainly for physical conditioning reasons and for the reasons of forming a good habit. In other words, if the horse has been laid off for a long time and it's long enough that he's become very herd bound and he doesn't think he has to work for a living anymore and he's kind of giving me the uh, screw you, I don't have to do anything. Um It's probably going to take me time to really persuade that horse otherwise. So, um, and certainly building a horse's physical conditioning takes time. When we talk about training with horses, by the way, most of us horse trainers use the, um, blocks of time, 30, 60, 90 days, um, 120 days, whatever, and, the reason why is because a 30-day period is a good time. Uh, you, that gives you a good window to effect change. Um, so if I break down what it is that I need from this horse, then it, 90 days from now, then I can uh, you know do the back math to 30 days I need this 60 days I need this the the final uh, 30 days I need that Um, so first thing when I'm thinking about a training plan with a horse is like what is it I'm trying to accomplish you know before we can backtrack the math we have to know what what it is what's the goal here is it just that I can ride this horse and let's just make it simple let's say um, let's say Susie just bought a gelding that's been nice well trained how is that horse 9 years old Seven. 11 okay perfect in prime of life 11 year old gelding uh, super well trained lots of experience but he's been laid off for a period of time and I think a situation where um, the owner of that horse just for whatever reason was no longer riding it he did not want to part with the horse because the horse was very dear to him and was an awesome horse but gradually over time they realized this horse is just going to waste away if we don't move him on And, and Susie was lucky enough to step up to the plate so now this horse is is going to be coming back into conditioning, so he's our kind of test test model here, um, and so I'm going to say um, this is um, the let's say this is the beginning of April, and April, May, June. In the middle of this summer, we're going to go on a big group trail ride um, and do a couple of overnight camping, camp overnight. Um, There's going to be... I don't know, 30 or 40 horses, bunch of other trailer rigs and whatnot, and we're going to camp there at the campsite for two nights, and we're going to trail ride extensively in that area of the mountains. Um, and that trail ride is about four-hour drive from here so that's going to be a little bit of a, a journey uh, lots of planning to do there um, so if this ride is over July 4th um, I'm going to say I've got until July 1st so that means uh, July, how can I count backwards from a- so I got April May June that's it July 1st so I'll, 90 days um, so 90 days is my training plan. Um, this horse is in his prime. He's sound. He is uh, got a high body score, but not in the obese range. He's he's plenty round, packing plenty of pounds. We can put. A, I can look at him and see that. Um, it, oh, plus he had to travel uh, from Arizona to get here, so he's had a little bit of handling to get here. So that's gotten his mind back in the game immediately because he's a trained horse he knows what to do Uh, he's traveled and stayed overnight at a couple of places um, and now he's come here so I don't have any kind of body condition score Um, he's a well trained horse so and he's already had a little had to you know, think about what you were asking him to do, get in a trailer, get out of a trailer, stay stay in a stall, be handled um, by maybe people he didn't know. Um, so he's already kind of got his mind back in the groove, and I know he has a high level of training behind him, so I'm not really concerned about his training. I'm more concerned about his mental, um, um, uh, you know, establishing a good relationship, getting good authority over him, and getting him back into conditioning. and, and um, But maybe this horse has not, and I think this is true, He's he's been a ranch horse and a rope horse, but not really a trail riding camping overnight horse. So we do have some training issues to address. Um, so... My biggest concern with this horse is his fitness level and his and hardening. To do a three-day trail ride up in the mountains while camping overnight, um, that horse is going to have to be very fit, and he's going to have to be very what we call hardened, meaning he's used to having a saddle on his back, he's used to having a breast collar on, he's used to having a cinch tight, he's um, used to spending you know hours saddled uh standing to the trailer standing tied to the trailer um you know it'd be just like when we talk about hardening it's like if you spent the winter down in Florida and all you did was wear flip-flops for six months or um my mother being a native of Florida and lived her entire life there she just didn't wear, she, if she didn't have to wear shoes, she didn't wear, she, she went barefoot all the time. Um, her feet were maybe a tough on the bottom, but if she had to all of a sudden put on heavy hiking boots and then hike 10 miles a day in those boots, imagine how horrible that would be, the blisters you would get, how sore your feet would get. So your feet have to become hardened to those hiking boots and to that having them on that length of time while you're working. And so that's kind of the same thing as hardening that horse um, to the saddle and to being ridden and to carrying the weight of the rider. So, but I got 90 days, that's plenty of time. So 30 days, the first you know, I always want my training to progress, um, weekly, both aerobically and in terms of my demands on the horse, um, training wise. So I always want to start simple. Um, whether I'm starting just this week with a horse that's been in training every week for the last year, and today is Monday. I never ask much of a horse on Monday. If I'm going to ride Monday through Friday, Um, I never ask much of a horse on Monday he's been off for two days I just want him to get his lungs going and and get some legs underneath him so I'm going to long trot him maybe do some circles and turns but I'm not going to be asking him anything demanding like his highest level of work I'm going to save that for the middle of the week Um, and then at the end of the week the last day of the week I'm going to do something fun and relaxing with that horse so we end the week on a really good note with the horse having a super Happy attitude. So that's my regular uh, flow of training. So, in terms of this um, horse we're bringing back into training after a long layover, and I've got 90 days, that first 30 days on this horse I'm talking about is probably strictly going to be focused on aerobics and work ethic. And so, as soon as possible, I like to get that horse up to um, starting the The riding session with a 10 minute long trot. Now, if you've got a horse with very low body score, that first aerobic activity might be a five minute long trot. If it's a really weak horse, it might only be a minute. Um, I can't answer that question for you, but I do know the work ethic problem is the opposite. So we want to push. The timing on the horse that he has to work so that he has it's kind of like difference between a sprinter and a marathon runner we want him to know he's running a marathon and so we we want him to think well once you're gonna have once i ask you to work you're gonna have to work for a while so that's why i like it just in general starting my training sessions with a 10 minute long trot on a loose rein that horse's head is down low i'm i'm posting or standing so i'm staying up all off his back um but i'm gonna say this individual horse we're talking about the gelding that that susie just bought um that horse i'm i'm certain i would start with a 10 minute clock but another horse hey maybe he's only a one minute clock on that long trot but i want the reins totally loose i want the head down low and i want the horse stepping out of the trot so he's strengthening and lengthening um pumping oxygen to the uh, dilating the blood vessels really getting warmed up and then really getting those muscles working and and tendons lengthened out and back and neck stretched out so this i would never ask for a a collection during this time Um, i'm just trying to get the aerobic Activity up and 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 collection is far too demanding. Remember, this is Monday, so our first thirty days on this horse is Monday um, of my training week, and and um, so maybe so on this gelding, we're starting right off the bat with ten minutes long trot, um, and. The way I'm going to be simultaneously addressing work ethic is um, a properly trained horse, once I tell him to do something, which is long trot on a loose rein with your head down at this speed, it is his job to continue, continue to do that until I tell him to do something different. He doesn't just get to say when we slow down and when we speed up and when we stop. My job. So... In this 10-minute long trot, or five-minute, or one-minute, I'm not only focused on getting the aerobic... Um, activity up on the horse but I'm also focused on the principle of the work ethic and I'm assessing this horse is he being honest with me oh if he speeds up a little bit and I check him back and then it's fine that's okay but is he constantly trying to slow down or speed up then I have a training problem and I've got to address it and so kind of with i killing two birds with one stone so to speak in that 10 minute long trot by working both on increasing the horse's physical condition and making sure we have no work ethic problems there. Um, my next thing is establishing control. So, um, and this goes to the individual horse. Now the gelding I'm talking about, which would be my cream puff deal as a horse trainer, um, I, I wouldn't have any concerns about establishing control, but I would want to start establishing a relationship with this horse making sure that horse understand I control the direction, I control the speed. And then we would just start gradually doing things like circles and turns and transitions up and down. So this is after our 10 minute long trot, but if I'm in the 10 minute long trot and I don't think I have control of that horse or authority over that horse, I'm going to be doing lots of lazy changes of direction. Let's go this way. Okay. Now let's go that way. Okay. Now let's go this way. Um, let's go to this end of the the arena. Let's go to that end of the arena all while moving. Um, but every time I change directions on the horse, I'm establishing more control and authority over the horse. So, um, whatever at this point in the first 30 days, I've got, I, I've, I've got all that time to work on increasing the horse's aerobic capacity and increasing my control of the horse. In the case of that finished horse, that's just coming out back after a layoff. I'll, all we're going to be worried about then is establishing our cues, getting to know each other. Um, so then the second, so the second 30 days now we're 30 to 60 days, that's when I'm going to start um, adding skill. So then we want to start actually training skill. So on um, Susie's gelding, here's where I start wanting, okay, okay, I would probably first focus some energy on what does this horse know? Uh, how much can I ask of him? Does he know his leads? Does he canter from a walk? Um, will he do a collected sitting trot for me? Um, will he do circles? Will he do lateral movements? If he does, if the horse does not have a high level foundation of training, then that's what he needs. So that's, now you got to do that. But... In the case of Susie's horse, he may already have a lot of that stuff, but I don't know what, so I'm kind of trying to figure out what what can he do. So I start asking more and more of him gradually. But in this time, we're getting used to each other too. Maybe he does know how to do that, but the way I'm cueing him is not what he's used to. So we're working all that kind of stuff out. Um, in this, in the by the end of the second. Six, thirty days. So now we're in the sixty to ninety day range. I wanna really drill down on specifics to the thing we're training for. So it's the July 4th trail ride. So now I wanna start getting my horse uh, on the trailer, hauling him an hour and riding in the mountains, maybe leaving him tied up to the trailer for a couple hours. I want to, everything we do both aerobically and training wise is gonna be progressive in nature. We're gonna start with the most simplistic skill or need of the horse and then build, build, build on that. But in that final um, 30 days of our 90 day plan, I really want to start getting specific to the activity I'm training for and do practice runs and um, get the horse used to. You know, is he going to have to stay in a stall um, overnight? And he's never, ha- and he lives out in the pasture with a big herd of horses. Well, I need to get that horse used to staying in a stall. So I'm going to, you know, somewhere along there, start bringing him into a stall. So there's a lot of different things that are going to be specific to your actual goal that your your final 30 days is going to be focused on. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the, uh, the basic plan. And now it's time for my favorite segment. What the hey (laughs) Q&A. Okay, well, so earlier today, I did a Facebook Live post and... um, it was very casual. People were kind of surprised to see how casual I was dressed at my office. but, um, And I specifically asked people to send me questions for today's What the Hey," And um, so we uh, got a couple of questions. Well, we got a lot of questions, right? We got a lot of
1: questions.
0: <laughs> a lot of questions. And uh, poor Megan had to sort through them all. And we came up with a couple for me to answer here on this segment. Segment. And um, so, first off, is from Lori Brander. And Lori was actually um, on Horse Master. She's from Arizona um, a year ago or yeah. it was, so, 2017 shows. Mm-hmm. Episode, do you remember? Uh, um, 10, episode 1017, Leg Up. And this was actually uh, relative to today's subject about. Reconditioning a horse, so this horse was breaking gate at the um, canner, and we in that episode we worked on keeping the horse going at the canner and kind of um, being a, more effective with her aides and, and driving the horse forward. Um, but this question today has nothing to do with the Horse Master episode, it's an all new problem. So uh, let's see, Megan just handed it to me here. So from Lori Brander, my mare charm, who you know from Tucson, has developed an issue getting in the trailer. Oh, boy, that hardly ever happens. Um, The only time she has an issue is when I'm home alone and she's getting in the trailer alone. Okay, well, first piece of evidence, right? She doesn't do this if um, Lori has backup. (sighs) It's a relationship thing, and I feel very embarrassed that I haven't been able to get through it. It had progressively gotten worse, but she has always ultimately loaded. Now I know I'm bringing some unwanted energy into the situation. Would love to hear your input. So first thing, you know, and you kind of hit that nail on the head, Lori, when you say she only only does it when I'm home alone. So um, whenever there's a situation where a horse only does something under these circumstances horses are very, very clever that way. This is the way horses train people. Horses are very keen of their environment. They're very aware of people and their activities and their intentions and their confidence. Um, they're aware of the setting and the scene and what's going on around them. Um, and they can be very clever about when they choose to, Um, do something or not do something and so it is not at all uncommon that a horse a well trained horse with a lot of good positive experience in his life just one day at the least convenient time to you decides not to get in the trailer it's um it's not at all an uncommon problem, and by the way, Laura, you shouldn't be embarrassed. You you should be proud of yourself for being smart to figure out you're being duped by this horse, right? So um, the so the so the first big red flag is that she's only doing this when you're home alone, and then that's going to kind of dictate how you resolve the issue. But. Um, I, you know, trailer loading could be um, um, not only an entire blog, but it could go on for a whole year um, because training a horse to trailer load and ha- and dealing with trailer loading issues is are, are huge problems and i have an entire video on it called stress-free trailering and it is not just about hooking up a trailer driving a trailer backing a trailer uh, but it's also about loading a horse in a trailer and unloading a horse in a trailer and going on road trips so it's a great comprehensive training video um so i recommend anybody listening if your horse just needs training uh, for trailer loading. You, you need to be more informed than what I'm about to, to say about um, Lori's horse. Uh, you need to know how to handle that situation of a horse that does not load in the trailer, how we're going to train him to willingly and calmly walk into the trailer whenever you ask and stay in there. Um, so this horse is recognizing when you're Uh, at a disadvantage and taking advantage of you and yes there are probably other areas in your relationship where this horse is for whatever believes he has an opportunity to dupe you and so in other words when somebody's having a a relationship with a horse that is deteriorating. So let's say you bought this really well-trained horse and for the first month or two, you had him, everything was great. Next thing you know, he won't get in the trailer. Next thing you know, he won't do whatever. Um, that relationship is deteriorating because that horse is coming to believe you do not have authority over him. And so there's something going on in your daily interaction it could be during feeding time it could be during turnout time walking in from here to there it could be trailer loading where uh there's but there's something that is eroding your authority with the horse so you need to you're right in saying it's a relationship thing and i feel and you know i feel like i need to you need to change you um so Try to find the other areas in your relationship with this horse where you're lacking authority. You ask her to stand still and she didn't. Um, you ask her to trot on the lead line and she pulls lags behind you. Whatever. Um you, you're riding and you ask her to trot and she trots halfway around the arena and then breaks down to a walk. Um, it could be anything and it could be in any area of your life where you're losing authority with this horse. So you have to address that. The actual trailer loading, let's bring it back to our topic of today, which is um, reconditioning or bringing a horse back into a working frame of mind and physical uh, condition to after a long layoff. So if I have a horse that has not been loaded in a trailer for a long time, or in Lori's case, I reasonably she's going to try to not get in the trailer. Um, I want to be prepared for it ahead of time. And if I, if you are truly by yourself, uh, Lori, and uh, I think you're going to have to solicit some help to get past this problem that you've already developed um, because you've got to get back to a normal state where she's loading properly for you the way you she used to load for you. Um, I would use my flagging method and an assistant flagging the horse or the assistant walking the horse forward. Um, and I would, would find the best situation to remind that horse that, Okay, remember, we've trained this before, and this is the way it goes. When I present you to the trailer, you have to get in it. Um, If I'm bringing that horse to the trailer that has had a long layoff and or I have reason to believe he might not get right in the trailer... I want to be prepared. I would have the trailer backed up into uh, hopefully a solid wall of the barn and a corner of the fence. I would back that trailer into a a confined area as possible so the horse's uh, options were quite limited. I would have whatever... um, encouragement I need to get him in the trailer. For me, it's a flag. Um, I would have a rope halter and long training lead on him for the loading portion. I might change that if I was going on a long trip, but I want to have control of that horse. And then I would be all prepared for that, assuming that I was going to have a problem, have everything that I thought I might need. To get that horse in the trailer, assuming I was going to have a problem, have that trailer strategically located, enlist an assistant, and um, work on loading that horse in the trailer. If I'm bringing that horse to the trailer for the first time in a long time, I'm going to assume that he, once he sees the trailer and realizes that's what I'm about to ask him to do... I want to make sure that I control that moment. And so I'm always going to approach the horse trailer slowly and on as straight a line as possible. And I might ask the horse to stop and just take a deep breath and lower his head while I pet on him a couple of times as I approach the trailer. This gives him time to look at the trailer and think about what's about to happen. I don't necessarily want to approach fast because I I want, first of all, to be able to control the moment where he notices you're about to ask him to get in the trailer. That's the key moment. If you uh If you wait to notice this horse is going to have a problem until he's already throwing a walleye fit and dragging you away from the trailer, um, you have lost the moment of training. So if I approach this trailer very slow, in a very slow and orderly way, asking the horse to take a few steps, now stop. Good boy. Pet him on the neck. Let him relax for a minute. (sighs) Take a few steps. Stop. Let him pet on him a minute. Let him relax. At some point, he's going to see the trailer. And then his cards are going to be on the table. If when he sees that trailer and first figures out you're about to ask him to get in it, he immediately starts calculating on how to get out of it. I've got some schooling to do and bring in all the big guns and go right to your training of trailer loading. But if he's thinking about it, like is today the day I can take advantage of Lori? If he's looking around to see if you've enlisted help or if he's thinking about should I try and leave or should I go forward just stop take a deep breath ask him to think about it in the correct way remind him to keep his nose pointed at the trailer for me once I once I point a trailer horse at the trailer his only option is to walk forward into it so I'm going to scold him looking right I'm going to scold him looking left and I'm, and I'm going to scold him for backing up um, but Other than him taking action, I'll give him what time he needs to do to think this through. If he's a horse that's already been trained to go in the trailer, he's thinking about these things. Um, So I want to control the approach. I want to be prepared for that horse ahead of time. Um, In the case of your horse, Lori, he's already trained to load. You just need to remind him that you have expectations and you know he knows how to do this and that you will accept nothing less than that so if you have if trailer loading is your issue unrelated to all these other things then um, get some help um, if, if you can't get help get the dvd stress free trailering and um, train that horse properly um, to get in a trailer our second question today in our What the Hay Q&A session is from Karen Vock, and she says, my Missouri Foxtrotter is very ungainly uh-oh, and needs help every season getting back into his rhythm. Any tips? He trail rides solely with non-gated horses. So that's sort of a side subject. <laughs> Um, poor horse, he gated horses riding solely with non gated horses sometimes doesn't work out very well um, because they go faster than the non gated horses. Um, and so, by the way, I would never criticize a horse for stepping out on the trail. So, if let him walk out and then let him stop and rest and let his Fat lazy friends catch up, and um, and then he'll that'll he'll get to where he likes um, riding with non-gated horses. So. The main question is that he needs help every season getting back into his rhythm. So this sounds like what we were talking about earlier, the possibility of that horse that he's just been turned out for three, four, five months here in Colorado. Often people turn their horses out for six months at a time. I mean, sometimes they haul them, you know, a hundred miles away and turn them out in a huge pasture with like a hundred other horses. And so they really go, they go rogue, you know, during that time, um, so um, she doesn't she doesn't say what the situation is, but she does say that her horse is very ungainly and I'm not sure what to make of that. Um, I think I guess if I think of ungainly, I mean he's sort of a goofball and he's maybe uh you know big um maybe maybe kind of like your horse making just a big goofy uh not always aware of how big in, uh, his own body is that's kind of what I think of as unga- ungainly I, so I have no idea what you're actually talking about Karen there
1: I looked it up it means um <laughs> um awkward or clumsy
0: uh, okay, so according to Webster, it means awkward or clumsy. Um, but she's talking about it in reference to getting back into his rhythm of riding after the season, and so maybe we're talking about performance here. Um, okay, and so well, I've got one of those horses. He's a bit bit of a goofball, and he's uh, and my my younger horse Eddie, and and he's a he's a bit like a linebacker, so he's not exactly dainty and coordinate and what we call handy. Um, And I find with, uh, you know, if we're talking about just a gangly kind of horse that has trouble with the finer points of performance like collection or, you know, maneuvers like lateral movements or turnarounds or rollbacks or um, jumping or whatever. So if what you're talking about is he has has trouble getting back into the groove of his athletic performance, then um, again, what we want to start with. With is just simple uh, strengthening work. So um, I would be with that horse that is, tends to be unbalanced. That's a, a, another horse that's really important to work on a loose rein and let him find his own balance. Let him learn to balance you as a rider. And so when we do that 10 minutes of long trot beginning our riding session, um, and you do that on what's uh, traditionally called a free rein, meaning the horse has all the reins and he can do whatever he wants with his head and neck. When that horse has to work and build strength aerobically and um, strengthen his muscles, um, carrying himself, balancing himself and you, Um, right there, you'll be better off with that horse. So whatever time it takes a week, two weeks, a month, I want to really focus on that horse building strength, balancing himself. Um, I always want the horse balancing himself. I may ask for more collection, but, and he may shorten his frame and round up, But I don't hold him there. I expect him to hold himself there. So I'm constantly um, working on the horse's balance in that way. Um, And then I would ease into um, whatever it is of his performances that is more difficult, whether that's just doing simple, you know, collected work like uh, your slow collected gaits or whether it's, you know, maintaining a steady canter or a steady gait. Um but if if what you're talking about is ungainly, ungainly is more of a mental issue, he has trouble uh listening and focusing and remembering cues that you thought you had down last year. Um I I think you need to just take that horse back to ABCs, you know, the first week or two or three, think of the first, you know, part of your um, training plan as kindergarten, a reminder of the ABCs. Don't, uh, uh, if that's a horse that has trouble getting his mind back in the game and remembering what he used to do and performing it at a level that you feel is adequate, then there's really not much else you can do to, but go back to basics and what are the most foundational skills required um, and and make sure the horse is giving you that before you move forward. And that could take anywhere from a, a week to you know the whole 30 days of your 90-day plan. So, um, But I, I feel like maybe when you say he needs help every season getting back into his rhythm, Um, I feel like maybe you're beginning this season thinking that he should be where exactly where you left him off. But if he is, for whatever reason, ungainly, for whatever that means, um, that's probably a horse that needs to go back to basics. Do a little rudimentary boot camp with your groundwork and your mounted work um, and don't have high expectations of him in the beginning. Have have only expectations that he listen and that he respond and that he try. Um, And then you'll be ready to move forward. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this topic on bringing your horse back after a long layoff. The important thing to remember is to take it slowly, have a plan, and let your horse dictate his needs. So pay attention to your horse and and be in the moment with him and move forward a little bit every day. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon. Enjoy the ride. Thank you to Smooth Stride Riding Jeans for sponsoring this podcast. They make it possible for you to listen for free. Be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash academy for more in-depth training advice. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your good review on iTunes so more horse lovers just like you can find my podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy the ride.